Do you remember something called money? Meaning actual hard cash, currency, dollar bills, coins. Okay, truth be told, some of us do interface with money on a somewhat regular basis, but there are many people for whom interaction with actual hard cash is pretty rare. In our world of online transactions and credit card purchases, we may be soon using our phone to make purchases more often than pulling out a wallet or a purse. And with that recognition, I want to draw us back to something that is a feature of all of our currency, at least for those of us over here in the U.S. and for those out there and in other countries. I'm told actually right now that there are listeners on at least three continents. But uh, for those out there, you may not be familiar, but on all United States currency, printed on every single coin and every single bill is the four-word motto, In God We Trust. The history and the politics of this issue behind Nutfern right now, but the reality is that those words are there. And in an era where we don't handle the money all that often, um, some aren't even cognizant that that's there. But I'd like to draw attention to this concept of in God we trust. Because the idea of belief in God, usually translated uh, from the term emuna, belief, that's kind of a more common idea in people's minds. But the very Jewish concept that the you know, American got the idea from clearly in terms of the Jewish principle found in our, in our Psalms and our Torah of bitachon, trust in God, is a different level. They are both critical. Amuna, the recognition that there is a God, that he's all-powerful, all-capable, is uh, enhanced this whole new level when you get to Bitachon, that I recognize not only that he is capable, but that he wants to be involved in my life. Not only can he, but that he does, and he's receptive to me, and he is reactive to my pleas and to my needs. That's the realm of trust. To um, better understand this concept of Bitachon, of trust, the following anecdote may shed some light. Going back just about a hundred years ago, a group of the residents of the town of Brisk, Lithuania, came to the rabbi of Brisk, referred to as the Brisker Rav, the Rav of Brisk, very frustrated, agitated over the fact that a group of secular Jews had made a theatrical performance that in their mind's eye was a derision of Torah and of Torah perspective. What was the theatrical performance? Well, they had a scene on the stage of a gathering, a draft of the soldiers to be fighting a war, of the Jewish soldiers to be going out to battle. And, as the Torah describes, a leader stands up and talks to the soldiers and gives the following room for soldiers to opt out. For example, anybody who has very recently initiated a marriage... He may leave the battle zone, so a handful of people walk off the stage. Anybody who has just begun the first stages of a certain agricultural development is allowed to walk off the stage. Anybody who's fearful that due to sin, they will not have spiritual protection may leave the draft. 
And hordes of soldiers walk off the stage because fear of lack of spiritual protection in the eyes of the Talmud includes having done any sin for which I have not done proper teshuva is reason to say I'm not protected in this battle and I'm leaving the battle scene. So all the soldiers are walking off the stage and left on stage are two elderly soldiers, representative of the rabbis of the time, the Rabbi Chaim Ozer Grzynski and the Chafetz Chaim, the famed Rabbi Yisrael Meir Kagan, the Chafetz Chaim, who were probably addressed in multiple other podcasts. But the, these two elderly rabbis are left on stage, and as you hear the enemies approaching, the two of them are having the following debate. One says to the other, I honor you with the task of the first arrow. You have the rights of shooting the first arrow, of doing this mitzvah, of giving you the honor of this mitzvah, of waging battle against the enemies of Israel. And the other one says to the Chavetz Chaim, Oh, you're a Kohen. Kohen has the first rights of a mitzvah. I honor you with this right. And they're debating who has the right to this mitzvah, who should be given the honor of the first shot. And then they decide, you know what? We'll, we'll shoot the arrow together. And these two elderly rabbis are pulling on the bow to shoot this arrow, and then the curtains close as the audience roars with laughter. While the briskerov, hearing this theatrical performance being described, said, well, I don't get the issue. All they forgot to do was show the final scene. Final scene? Yes, they should have left the curtains open long enough for the audience to see that they won the war. Because this, in fact, is how the Torah describes the Jewish approach to battle. Now, note, they're using a weapon, they're using a bow and arrow, but that's the nominal act that a human being has to do. If you have full trust in God, and you are fully spiritually in tune to God, and the spiritual personality that we can expect God is reactive to, uh, your merit is shining, and He is... Um, in here the type of personality and the type of uh, nation that God wants to be responsive to, you can have that trust and do your token act. But there has to be that act, but on the other side, when emboldened by all of that bitachon, all that trust, the act can be very limited. But here's an important secret. The degree of bitachon determines the appropriate degree of action. We must act, because this is a world in which God masks his presence. In fact, the Hebrew word for the world, olam, is tied to the Hebrew word alam, which is hidden. The world is God's mask. God does not make himself so vivid as to rob us of free choice. We are constantly able to find him or miss him. That's our choice. So there has to be action through which God masks his miraculous involvement. But, the greater the bitachon, the greater the trust, the less is expected of us. When we are unfortunately more deficient in bitachon, lacking in trust, more is demanded of us. Infinite layers, and we can constantly grow, but we at least have to be attentive to the idea. We have to begin to talk about trusting God, to talk about belief in God, and to bolster that with relationship with God and trust in God and the recognition that He's there for us and receptive to us and responsive to us. And, as a kind of tachless takeaway, we always look for that step we can take to try to help motivate and try to solidify the concept. Well, in our world, we're using 
money is less and less common, perhaps we can be more sensitive to that motto, in God we trust. At least those of us over here we have it on the, on the coin. But if not, everybody out there, if you can just conjure up in your mind money and recognize that money, which is this great um, potential inhibitor of our trust in God, money that can be the barrier to our recognition of how much God is there for us and how much He is the provider. The money, when I, if when I can right now steer into my mind an image of money with the words in God we trust, or the Hebrew word bitachon, on that money, then maybe, as we do occasionally encounter money, and it won't be so often that we're desensitized to it, as we do encounter money, let's have that image come back. Let the money be the trigger. That will be the tool to draw us back to the very concept of bitachon, for which money is the concerning uh, kind of antithesis. So with that in mind, hopefully we can be more bitachon-focused, grow in that bitachon, and thereby expect that we'll be able to achieve our tachlis.